Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC, News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Mick Bolduck. He's an epidemiologist and vaccine coordinator with the Connecticut Immunization Program housed in the State Department of Public Health. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Aaron, and thanks for having me. Let's start with a little about the immunization program and how it works. We talk all things immunization with uh, folks throughout the state of Connecticut, and we provide vaccines up through the age of 18. So our job is to try and provide education for uh, all residents of Connecticut. We really try and focus on individuals up through the age of 18 because we provide free immunizations for all individuals up through the age of 18. So um, we try and make sure that everyone is fully vaccinated, but we have a special focus on individuals up through the age of 18 because we have funding through the federal government and also through the state government to provide vaccines, the majority of vaccines up through the age of 18. What are the vaccination requirements in Connecticut? So the vaccine requirements in Connecticut uh, follow the national recommendations. And so that is mainly uh, measles, mumps, rubella, which, you know, in the news a lot these days, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, polio, hepatitis A, hepatitis B. Um, you know, those are the main ones that the, the main ones that people get for for school and for college and for daycare. And so, all those that you know, if parents are out there listening to the show, the ones that you bring your children to the pediatrician to the family practitioner for. Now, Connecticut for the first time has released school level vaccination data. What does this tell us about vaccination rates in the state among children? Well, we do have high immunization levels, and that's that's a good thing. But we also have pockets of unimmunized and underimmunized children, and that's not unlike other parts of the country. Uh, you know, we are doing well, but we can always do better. And um, this data does provide transparency, and it does allow parents to take a look for the first time on a school-by-school level to see how well exactly their school is doing. And it not only provides data on how well each school is doing for each individual vaccine, but it also shows how well from an exemption level for religious and medical exemptions each school is doing. Is there a level that the CDC recommends in in terms of a population being vaccinated that it finds is safe so herd immunity works? Yeah, that's a great question, Aaron. And For measles, mumps, and rubella, we're talking specifically 95%. And so, um, you know, if people have been looking in the newspaper recently when that data was published, school by school, uh, they saw that there were uh, a bunch of schools that were below 95% for measles, mumps, and rubella. And so that really is the range that's, you know, that's the threshold, 95% or more that need to be at 
for measles, mumps, and rubella, 95% or higher for measles, mumps, and rubella. And there was a number of schools that were below that 95% threshold. And so that is a, a concern for us, and, and people need to be uh, vaccinated at that level or higher. Um, one dose of MMR vaccine provides about 93% protection. Two doses provides about 97% protection. And so there are a number of outbreaks that are ongoing throughout the country, and a lot of them are in the unvaccinated population. And so what's happening in New York City, where they have over 400 cases, and this outbreak has been ongoing since October. And so they've been dealing with this now for eight months. And you stop and you think about that, eight months, and they still have not been able to get that under control because this is such a highly contagious disease. And fortunately, we've only had three cases here in Connecticut, and they have, you know, we can see sporadic cases. It doesn't mean even in a highly vaccinated population, you're not going to see sporadic cases. But because we have a highly vaccinated population, we're not going to see the type of outbreaks that they're seeing in other parts of the country. Explain a little more how herd immunity works. So the higher percentage of the population you have, the more percent, uh, the, the more the population is going to be protected. So if you have 97% of the population protected, then you're going to have less vulnerable, you know, fewer people that are going to be vulnerable. So you're not going to have a greater percent of the population that's going to be susceptible to that disease. So you might have certain percent of, of the population that could potentially get the disease, but they're not going to spread the, pop, the disease to other uh, people in the population. So you might have these one or two cases that pop up, but they're not going to be able to spread it to other people because they're going to be protected because they've had two doses of the vaccine. And so we might see one or two cases here or there, but once those people get the disease, they're not going to be able to spread it to others because they've been protected from being vaccinated. So essentially, by you being vaccinated and me being vaccinated, we're helping the people who may not be able to get vaccinated. Exactly. Exactly. So that's not happening in New York City because they've had, you know, what happened there is that they had a child who went to Israel that's having a huge outbreak, was unvaccinated, came back while they were infectious, and introduced measles into the city. And they have a huge number of individuals who are unvaccinated. And so it's just continued to transmit from person to person to person. And they've had to take extraordinary measures, and it still has not stopped the transmission of disease. Here we have a highly vaccinated population. And so when we had two cases back in January, we had no further spread. When we had a case in April, we had no further spread. Because we have a highly vaccinated population, we haven't seen further cases from those three original cases. What's the trend in terms of vaccination rates in Connecticut? Has it been going up or going down or staying pretty steady? You know, unfortunately, it's gone down a little bit. <clears throat> what we do is we track uh, the school level data because that's the best means that we have uh, for tracking the data. And so over the years, it has gone down slightly. So it is a little bit concerning. Um, the exemption data we also track and the religious exemption data has gone up through the years, and that is slightly concerning to us as well. And that's something that we have to be able to take a look at and be able to target. And this by getting the information on the school-by-school school basis as well, it allows us to be able to target our educational needs better. Because if we see that there are pockets of unimmunized or underimmunized kids or higher levels of religious exemption, 
in certain schools, then we can reach out to those schools and find out why we have those higher levels and be able to better target our educational needs there. Are you hearing anything in terms of why the unvaccinated rate has been creeping up a little? Well, I think people are concerned. Um, There are a lot of reasons why people don't want to get their kids vaccinated. Some of it has to do with the unfounded theories that vaccines are dangerous. And so, you know, I think by and large, parents want to do the right thing for their kids. All parents want to do the right things for their kids. They want to make sure that any medical procedure or anything that they inject into their child's body is safe. Everyone agrees on that. We would highly recommend that if they have concerns that they talk to their child's pediatrician or family practitioner about those concerns. Vaccines have been rigorously tested. They continue to be tested both pre-licensure and post-licensure. And so if they have concerns, the best thing to do is to talk to their pediatrician, talk to the family practitioner about those concerns and make an informed decision from there. There's a lot of information available on the internet. A lot of it, unfortunately, is not the best information. And so talk to the the experts and then make an informed decision from there because the information on the internet is not always going to be the best reliable source to go to. The vaccination requirements in Connecticut, do those apply both in public and private schools? They do. Um, That's a great question. They do apply in public and private schools. And again, they are based on the national standards. So a lot of times, you know, parents are upset and they they will call and they'll say, well, why are you requiring these things of my, you know, for my child to have? Like we're forcing them to, you know, like we're pulling these out of a hat and forcing their child to get these. These are based on the national standards. And so we don't require their child to have anything other than what is required on the national level. So these are based on what the CDC, what the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Academy of Family Physicians recommend. And so those are always taken a look at on a yearly basis by CDC by the AAP and by the American Academy of Family Physicians, and they make their national recommendations, and our standards are based on those. And we take a look at those every year, and we update those based on those guidelines. There's been a lot of talk recently about measles in particular, and this is a disease that is pretty much eradicated in the United States. Is there a threat that it's going to make a big comeback? Well, it has, unfortunately. Um, It's it's amazing when you stop and think about it. In 2000, the CDC basically came out and said measles has been eradicated in the U.S. And here we are in 2019, and we have the, the largest number of measles cases since 1994. So as of today, I think it's 764 cases in the United States. In New York City, there's over 440 cases, I believe. And, you know, there's no end in sight to the current measles outbreak. And if you look in Europe, if you look in Africa, if you look in South America, there are large-scale measles outbreak. And we are a global economy now, and people travel all over the place. So no matter where you go, you are potentially going to be exposed to measles. And so people need to be aware that these things are just a plane ride away. They're not just in the United States. They are everywhere. So we have to stop and think about what we're doing. And it's very important that 
everyone be protected. So you have to protect not only your child, but yourself as well. And so these these outbreaks that are occurring, a lot of them have occurred because people have gone to other countries, haven't been protected themselves, and and then brought them back into the United States. So I think the the days of we, you know, of us thinking that these things are gone, we have to rethink that. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Mick Bolduck. He is an epidemiologist and the vaccine coordinator with the Connecticut Immunization Program at the State Department of Public Health. You hear sometimes from people who are opposed to vaccinations that, well, how bad is measles really versus the threat of getting vaccinated, according to people who are opposed to it? Well, how bad is measles? Well, measles can kill you. And people don't realize that measles can put you in the hospital. Measles can cause severe illness and measles can cause pneumonia. And in rare cases, it it can kill you. So measles is not a benign disease. And so people will, will say, well, that, that only happens in third world countries. And it happens in children who are immunocompromised and, you know, who, who don't live in the United States. Well, do you want to take that chance with your child? I don't think anyone wants to take that chance with their child. And so we need to vaccinate. The, the, the best means of protecting your child and yourself is to be vaccinated. And so we don't want to have any measles cases. We don't want to have any measles complications. And the best way to do that is through vaccination. Is part of it that we have generations of people now who have never really been exposed to what these diseases can do? We're a victim of our own success. We don't see these things or we haven't seen these things for years and years. And so we have eradicated or thought we have eradicated a lot of these diseases. And when we let our guard down, people forget about them. And so we don't see polio anymore. We don't see diphtheria anymore. We don't see tetanus anymore. Or we see very few of these cases. And people stop and they think, okay, well, it's just a myth that we have to vaccinate against these anymore. Or what is the need to vaccinate against these anymore? They only happen in other places. Well, when we let our guard down, this is what happens. Now we have over 700 measles cases in the United States. It's not in other countries that these things are happening. It's happening here. And people are going overseas and they're bringing them back. And I think what's happening in New York City and what's happening in other parts of the country with these large-scale outbreaks is a wake-up call. And people need to, to heed that. They need to pay attention to that because if we don't stop and, and learn lessons from this, then it's only going to get worse. With an MMR vaccine, once you have it, do you have to get any sort of booster or anything? The recommendation is for two doses of measles vaccine. Usually you get a dose at 12 to 15 months of age, and then you get a booster dose at four to six years of age. And so that's the routine schedule for children. Uh, For adults, many of us, myself included, you probably don't have your records, so you don't know when you were vaccinated. And so the routine schedule for, for adults at this point in time is that if you were born before 1957, you're considered immune because you probably had measles when you were a kid because there was no vaccine back then. But if you're traveling... At this point in time, you need to know what your status is. So if you had a confirmed case, you're considered immune. If you have laboratory, consider- if you have laboratory uh, confirmation, then you're considered immune. But if you don't know what your status is, you can always get a blood test 
to check for immunity, or you can get an MMR vaccine. And if you're not sure, if you have a primary care provider, you can always speak with him or her. Is there a danger in being vaccinated too much? There's not, and we get that question a lot. Um, If you're not sure what your status is, again, the best thing is to talk to your primary care provider, but you can always get a blood test to check for your immunity. If it comes back showing that you have immunity, then you're good. You're you're usually set for life, Uh, but you can always get an MMR vaccine at the, you know, Usually, if you if you had an MMR vaccine in the past and you did not have a reaction to it, getting another MMR vaccine, you're not, there's you know, no harm in getting another MMR vaccine. Is there a place you can go to check your immunization records? If you're not sure, um, uh, you know, if you're an adult at this point in time and you don't have access to your records and you can't find your records, uh, you're probably not going to have uh, much luck in finding those. If you're looking for your child's records, you can call the state immunization program because we probably have those records due to uh, the fact that we have an immunization registry. It's called CTWIS, and you can call our program at 860-509-7929, and you can speak to someone in our program, and we have access to those records uh, because we've had that registry up and running now for a little over 20 years. And so if you don't have your child's immunization record, chances are pretty good that we have that. If you, Again, if you're an adult, probably not, um, but it doesn't hurt to call us and we can always check our, our database and we can look that up and, and check. But for your child, if you don't have a, a copy of your child's record, uh, chances are pretty good if they were born in the state of Connecticut that we do have access to that. Now, before a child is school age, the pediatrician delivers the, the vaccinations. After that, after their school age, is, is there any vaccination program in schools? Do school nurses do any of this? Uh, there are school-based health centers. So depending on where your child goes to school, uh, if they go to a school-based health center, a site that has a school-based health center, they can uh, vaccinate in a school-based health center. But if you uh, have trouble finding a place to bring your child, call our program, the immunization program, again, at 860-509-7929. There are places you can bring your child that will immunize them for no cost. Again, we provide the vaccine free of charge. There may be a charge for the administration fee, but the administration fee is based on uh, your ability to pay. And so it could be either a sliding scale or no cost at all for the administration fee based, again, on on your ability to pay. So the vaccine would be free of charge, and then the administration fee would be nominal. There's been a lot of debate recently about the religious exemption from the vaccination requirements, but there are also people who medically can't be vaccinated, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. So if there's a medical exemption, there's two exemptions in Connecticut. Um, Some states have more than just the two, but in Connecticut, there's two. So there's a religious exemption and a medical exemption. The religious exemption parent just has to sign a statement saying it's against their religious religious beliefs to have their child uh, vaccinated, and they have to have that acknowledged. So there's a a set list of individuals. They can either have the school nurse acknowledge that, or they can take it to town hall and have the clerk at town hall sign off on that, or there's an attorney, a justice of the peace, a notary that can just sign that form, and it's just an acknowledgement that they're claiming a religious, religious exemption for their child. Medical exemption has to be consistent with national standards, and it has to be signed off on by either a MD, 
uh, physician assistant or an APRN. And uh, national standards, consistent with national standards means that they had a reaction to a previous dose of the vaccine, that they're allergic to a component of the vaccine, uh, or they're immunocompromised. So, uh, for example, if the child is undergoing chemotherapy and they can't receive the vaccines. So as long as it's consistent with the national standards, then one of those individuals would just need to sign a statement saying that the child can't receive vaccines at this time. Switching gears a bit in our last few minutes, the flu season hopefully is coming to an end. It's been a long season this year, hasn't it? It's been a long season. So last year was a very severe season. Uh, This season has been milder, but it's been very long, like you mentioned. And so it is starting to wind down, thankfully. Um, But yeah, we had a second wave that came about late uh, during the spring, but it does seem to be uh, tapering down now. And so again, you know, what we tell people is that it's never too late to receive a flu vaccine. And so people always call our office and they say, well, you know, I've never gotten the flu vaccine and I don't want my children getting the flu vaccine because we don't believe in its effectiveness. No vaccine is going to be 100% effective, but the best protection you have and the best protection we have is a flu vaccination. Even if it's only 60% effective or 50% effective, that's better than 0%. And so getting a flu vaccine every year is really everyone's best protection. Do we have a sense yet how effective this season's vaccine was? They uh, did a preliminary study uh, back a couple months ago. I think it came out in February, and I I think the number was somewhere around 47%. So which more again so is than not, the, the year before. Right. It was better than last year. It's still not fantastic, and, and no flu vaccine has ever been fantastic. It's never going to be 80 or 90% because no flu vaccine is ever that, you know, that high. Um, But again, it's better than no protection at all. And what people need to remember is that the flu vaccine will prevent against severe illness and it will prevent against hospitalization. And it, you know, the flu can kill you. The flu has, you know, last year it killed almost 80,000 Americans. That's how severe it was. And people need to remember that the flu can kill you. And so the vaccine is designed to prevent severe illness, and that's the main purpose of getting a flu vaccine is to try and keep you out of the hospital and keep you alive. Can the flu vaccine give you the flu? The flu vaccine cannot give you the flu, and that is a big myth, and people need to realize that. They may get sick after getting a flu vaccine, but that you know the flu vaccine takes about 10 to 14 days to be effective and people might already be getting sick right when they get the flu vaccine and one of the reasons that its effectiveness is not higher than you might think it would be is because again essentially you have to guess what strains of the virus are going to be active right 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 and and the WHO the World Health Organization does their best job at trying to predict what strains we're going to see And that happens every February. And by the time the flu hits here, um, you know, it's it's really their best estimate as far as what they think is going to hit here. And there may be some some differences by the time flu actually arrives. And so there might not be a great match with what's in the actual vaccine by the time the flu arrives here. Where can people learn more about the Connecticut Immunization Program? So they can go on our website and they can uh, just Google the Department of Public Health and uh, Google the Immunization Program. 
or they can call our, our main immunization program number, which is 860-509-7929. And we have someone available from 8 to 4.30 every day. He is Mick Bolduck, epidemiologist and vaccine coordinator with the Connecticut Immunization Program. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.